Welcome to another episode on the Unlocking Your Mind podcast. My name's Tom Morgan and I'll be bringing you an array of inspirational stories from people who have achieved amazing things. Each guest offers an interesting insight into the highs and lows they have faced along their path to success. There is definitely a lesson or two in each podcast and ways we can improve our own lives. I hope you enjoy. My guest on this week's podcast is Muay Thai world champion and UK number one, Charlie Peters. This is a great conversation on developing a strong, resilient and focused mindset to face life's challenges. We spoke a lot on how we can become a better version of ourselves every day by leaning out of our comfort zones and never being afraid to fail. I hope you enjoy. Charlie, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. It's uh, great to have you on. I've been following your journey for quite some time. I've been following your career and um, it's just great to connect today and have a chat. How's things, mate? Mate, thank you so much, Tom. It's nice to, nice to meet you over Zoom, finally. <laughs> uh, listen, just thank you so much for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, me too, me too. And I kind of want to get straight into it, really. So, Muay Thai, where did that journey start for you? So, Muay Thai... For people that don't know what Muay Thai is, it's the eight limbs of the body, right? So you get to punch, kick, elbow, and knee. So it's the best form of stand-up fighting without going to the ground. For me, the journey started, fun enough, I used to play rugby at school, and I used to play for a club. Loved it, really enjoyed it. And I took it up as kind of like a side hobby to help me with my rugby. Apparently, it was for the fitness, but if you've played rugby, you know there's more fighting than there is fitness. <laughs> so, um, no, it was it was literally, I'd been doing Muay Thai for about two or three weeks and playing rugby. Then I started working full-time. Rugby matches were on a Saturday. I had to work. Therefore, I was unable to do rugby. And it just fitted in perfectly with the times. Muay Thai started at 7 p.m. I finished work at 6 p.m. So I started going a little bit more. And I remember going the first week and I just got hooked. And I was like, I really enjoy it. I could go to that during the week. And then rugby was every so often. Um, so as soon as I stopped, finished the rugby, jumped into the Muay Thai and just started to enjoy it. Just started to like really get into the rhythm and the groove, started to have fun. And if anyone's trained in a gym like that, just as similar to, to rugby, you have like a brotherhood, you have a community. Everyone's there to help and push each other. And like I said, I just got addicted to it really. And, and boom, that was it. The rest is history. So when you first started Muay Thai, you kind of obviously fell in love with it and enjoyed the process. Was the goal always to get to where you are now? Uh, I mean, that kind of happens as you go along. Yeah. Um, I, I, I never thought I was that good when I first started, and I probably wasn't. But I had my first fight after three months, and you know, I, I just really enjoyed it. First fight, I got fight of the night as well. It was only on an amateur show. But I won the fight, got fight of the night, started to really enjoy it. Then I started to take it more serious. And then I was actually, I'm a hairdresser by trade. So I was working in a salon at the same time. And I wanted to pursue a good career in that. And I wanted to become a really good, what they call star directors and art directors, where you're doing catwalk hair and editorial photo shoots and stuff like that. So I was literally on the rise with the Muay Thai, on the rise with the hairdressing. And we'll get on to when I took the, uh, took the change. But with Muay Thai, it was, it was that steady of, okay, I want to fight. Okay, I actually want to get good. Okay, actually, I want to win a Southern Aryan title. Then it just snowballs, right? 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So what was the defining point then in your career that led you on to, you know, becoming a world champion, becoming UK number one? Yeah, so it was, I, I remember it like yesterday with the hairdressing, you had to do all the, uh, the educational stuff, what have you. Once you pass that, you do a couple of years in the shop floor. So in that time, I saved up and I went to go live out in Thailand. So I took myself there on my own, lived out there for 18 months. And when I came back, I was back in the salon. And my trainer at the time, who was Kieran Kettle, he opened up his own gym called Double K. And as he opened that, he's like, you know, I want you to come work for me, which was a, a huge thing for me. I could then cover classes. I could focus on training twice a day and I would PT and cut hair around that. And it was, it was scary. I remember thinking about it for a week. My contract was running out. So it was like the perfect time. The world's aligned. Like I had like a week and a half, my contract ran out. So I'd have to renew it or do I quit it and then chase the fight and dream. And, and what I think done it for me, I was, how old was I? I was about, I don't know, I think like 23 or something like that, 23, maybe 22. And it was like, do you know what? You can't be a really good fighter at 35. You've got a better chance at 25. I could go back and become a really good hairdresser at 40 if I yeah. wanted to, you know? So that was the, it was the age. And I thought, listen, what else have I got to lose? Luckily, hairdressing is a, a trade that everyone needs. So I'll always be able to get jobs. So fuck it, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go into that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And like, where does that self-belief come from? Because that's one of the toughest sports and disciplines in the world. So you must have a lot of confidence and a lot of self-belief. So how did you acquire that? Have you always had that? Or is it something that's just come along as part of the journey? It's definitely come along as part of the journey. Yeah. And I think each experience you, each experience you gain some confidence, you gain knowledge about yourself. I mean, I'm not overly confident and I've been told by a lot of people that I'm a bit too humble for my own client. Okay. But that's, but then again, that's a lesson that I learned and that's something I, I learned from being in the fight game. And we, we can touch on why so. And yeah, I think the confidence in your own ability comes from doing it, failing, then doing it again. Because... I never had the confidence to fight the level of the people I did, but you take each fight. I mean, I've lost fights, I've won fights, you know, it, it depends on what you take from it, which builds up your confidence because some people have too much confidence and then that's when they fail, you know, so you've got to have in fighting, especially you've got to have that balance. There's always someone better, you know, and there's always someone that's really good and usually they're less confident, which is always annoying. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Like I say, I'm not overly confident, but you've got to be confident in yourself. At the end of the day, you're fighting someone, right? So if you're not confident, you're going to get hurt. And that's one of the things where it's like driving a car. You're confident driving a car because you know what to do. Yeah. If you weren't confident, guess what? You're going to crash. You're going to pull out too soon. Someone's going to hit you, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same with fighting. The more you do it, the better you become, the more self-confidence you, you, you gain. So from people I've spoken to and, and yourself looking on your Instagram and, you know, the books I've kind of read on these amazing athletes, a lot of what they all have in common is they always find they learn more in failure. Why is that? Why do we all always learn more in failure than sometimes that we do if, if we win all the time? 
because if you win, you're doing everything right. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I've won fights and still looked back and thought, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I could fight so much better. But with failing, you've effectively done something wrong, especially with individual sports. Individual sports, sports are a lot harder. Rugby, you, you have a team. So for when I was playing, I was a, a winger or a fullback, sometimes a centre. But I've got to rely on the inside and the fly half. Then I've got to rely on the scrum half. Then I've got to rely on the scrum, right? You know, you know what it's like because you used to play rugby. Whereas an individual sport, what are you... Each time you train is a learning curve. And it's, it's almost that case of just repetition, repetition, repetition. You've got, you've got the old Bruce Lee saying, don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks. Fear the man who practices one kick 10,000 times yeah. and that really is the case because you'll usually fail at something that you're not used to doing and that is perfectly okay because once you start to learn and stop failing at that new said skill you get better your bandwidth gets bigger everything starts to open up a lot more you're always going to fail it just depends on what you pick up as a fail yeah, you know, the, no, listen, nothing's ever perfect. And only today I was talking to someone about adjusting and adapting. You know, I, I, I had a competition coming up earlier this year and it got cancelled a couple months before. People were like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, I know you've been training. I was like, so it's like it's fine. I've got a couple of months now. I've got a couple of months to get better. Yeah, you know, I've had I've had fighters pull out on the week before a fight that sucks you know when you're cutting weight but you've still got to keep going so you have to just learn adjust and adapt so with the failing what are you failing at why learn from it do it again yeah and the sport you do it takes you to a place where not a lot of people can even resonate because it takes you to a place of where you're almost outside your comfort zone the whole time for, for example if you're still if you're starting out you're probably more used to it now but you're coming from a place where you're fighting people your training involves fighting people so you're con you're constantly out of your comfort zone so how yeah. important is it to step out your comfort zone to grow as a person it's like the most important thing yes honestly it is just there's nothing <laughs> There's nothing better for you than getting out of your comfort zone because as soon as you get comfortable, that's when you stop learning. That's when you stop failing. And that's why people love their comfort zone because yeah. no one likes failing. Everyone wants to succeed. Everyone wants to do well. But if you're not pushing past your, your limits or your boundaries, you're not gaining, you're not progressing, you're not getting better. Coming out of your comfort zone is when you start to learn about yourself. And with fighting, fighting's like fighting's amazing for that because you'll get to a level of sparring so sparring's when you're fighting each other mm. on like a non-competitive basis you know so like you've got your pads on your gum shield you, you know you're not trying to kill each other depending on who you're sparring you my <laughs> mates try to but you know it, it, it's it's controlled fighting and when you start sparring people and you're the one who is always always dominant that's when you need to get out of your comfort zone otherwise you get too comfortable you're not improving yeah. and if it's not challenging it's not changing right and that's 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 the whole idea that's the whole ethos of it yeah. and i mean i love it i mean i tried to uh, i was training for a half iron man this year i was going to compete with my dad and 
I went swimming earlier this year in a 50 meter pool, which is a big old pool when you're used to 25. <laughs> uh, it's literally, you get halfway and you think, fuck, where's the side? So I, I remember one swimming session, particularly this is, this is, this is that comfort zone stuff. Yeah. I remember this particular session. I'd done two lengths and I was like, do you know what? I've got to get out. My stroke wasn't working. My breathing wasn't working. I was like, this is horrible. I literally feel like I'm drowning and not going anywhere. So I sat on the side contemplating it. And then I had this like light bulb moment and it took me back to my beginner days as a fighter when I was sparring and nothing was working or I'm hitting the pads and it was just, you know, sloppy. And, you know, I've been competing for 14 years in Muay Thai and I've forgotten what it felt like to be a beginner again. Yeah. You know, I've touched on jujitsu before, which was amazing. Loved that because I was the beginner again. And now with swimming, I know how to swim. I, I, you know, I don't drown. I can, you know, I've got the stroke, but I'm not at that professional level like I was with fighting, which yeah. is frustrating. So anyway, the point of this was, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to stay in the pool until I do three kilometers because why not? You know, yeah. that, that is it. Get out of the comfort zone. And, and, and that was it. And, and sometimes I was swimming and literally drowning. And then it reminded me of when I was fighting or sparring and I'm getting the, the, the pressures being put on me. And when someone's punching you and connecting and you're trying to throw punches and kicks back and nothing is happening, it literally feels like you're drowning. You can't control your breathing. There's shots coming in from everywhere. Your mind's going overdrive. And that was basically what it was like in the swimming pool. And it, it, it really took me back to all those lessons I'd learned about getting out of my comfort zone. Guess what? Yeah. I'm back in again. I'm 31 years old. I'm back learning that lesson, you know, just in a different visual. Yeah. And it's such an important lesson. It's something I've consciously started doing more this year. I've always yeah. kind of pushed myself, whether it be the gym, rugby, but I've always done it in a comfortable kind of space where I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to push myself, but then I know my limits. But this year I've kind of done something similar to you did. Um, I decided to give myself a, a small amount of time to um, you know, train for a marathon, really minimal training. Um, How small? How small was the time? To be honest, it was less than a month. It was actually less than two <laughs> months. I think I did three, t three 10K no, two 10K runs. I did a 15K run as a preparation. And I just thought, <laughs> I just thought, I really want to get myself out of my comfort zone. I want to see if it's possible. I read this book as well. It's called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, the read it. read it. I've read oh, it. What a yeah. the rock, isn't he? I actually had it as a, an audio book. Sorry to cut you off. I had it as an audio book. And I recommend it as an audio book because he jumps on with the guy who reads it and they kind of do like a mini podcast. Yeah. So they'll he'll he'll verbally tell you the chapter and then David will come in and then digress and talk about that chapter yeah. and and, uh, and everything else with it. It's, it's incredible. But go on. Yeah, and I just kind of I, I read his book. I listened to I think every podcast he's been on, and it just yeah. blew my mind how we all kind of give up at forty percent. So we work a forty-hour week, um, and that everyone thinks that's their cap. Um, we train for an hour, we think that's it. But we're only actually putting 40% effort in and there's 60% of untapped potential that we can get into. So I thought, do you know what, that's that's so true. So I kind of wanted to test my mindset, really drag myself out of my comfort zone and see if it was possible. And it's so possible, isn't it? I mean, if you really push your mindset to where you want it to go, everything else will follow, won't it? 
Oh man, it's incredible. They 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 always have they've always say the mind will give up quicker than the body. Yeah. And that's the I mean, that is so true. The thing with David Goggins saying 40% rule, I use this analogy a lot with clients and classes. Okay. And whether or not it's true, it doesn't matter. When you start <laughs> thinking about it, you're like, yeah. I've still got more than half of what I've already done you know and, and then it just gets people's brains thinking differently with this 40 percent rule another lesson i learned was when i was fighting i had to cut weight a hell of a lot mm. so i remember in four weeks i had to lose 10 kilos and then on fight week i would so let's just say like seven eight days out from the fight i have no carbohydrates but yet i'd still be training the same five yeah. mile runs big two, three hour sessions on literally nothing. And in my head, I just think, how the hell can my body function like it? Don't get me wrong. Don't recommend it. And it's probably not <laughs> healthy, but it, it, it showed me at what the body can do. Yeah. It, it's amazing, isn't it? And it, he also said in there, which I think we've touched on as well, is that do things every day that are going to make you uncomfortable and put you out of your comfort zone. And then it's going to be, it's not saying go out and, punish yourself all day it's take the time every day to get out your comfort zone it could be pushing yourself a little bit more on your run it could be going to the gym a bit more it could even be going and having a cold shower for one minute something that's going to make your mindset become a little bit more resilient and those things work don't they ah of course of course i mean even if it's not get out your comfort zone because some people don't know how to 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 judge that so you just go just get one percent better every day I love that saying as well. One percent yeah. better every day, and that's because that to people then becomes so much easier, you know. And 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 that could be running faster, like every everything that you just said. But just by saying one percent better every day, I found worked a lot better with people because they're like, oh yeah, I could do that. I could do that. You know, it it just changes that mindset so much. And with fighting, you have to do that like every session, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. How, how have you developed that resilient and strong mindset to be a fighter like you are? Honestly, it just, it just takes time. It, yeah. It's, you know, there, there's nothing about it. It's experience as well. It's experience yeah. because you, you gain the knowledge. And one thing that I always say to people, it's really important to learn your body. So learn your mind, learn how you feel, what you feel you know some people would wake up and feel tired and they don't want to train that's them being lazy they could train properly and hard and feel okay but because they're like oh yeah actually i'm a bit tired there's a difference you have to work through those times and sometimes you'll do a session and think far too tired shouldn't have trained (laughs) now you know now you understand yeah but guess what you still train you still done it so as cliche is it's about how bad do you want it right that's 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 another one there's a there's a great book about that as well that you're the that you'd find interesting because it talks about stories and then it talks about the science and the the psychology behind it or how bad do you want it and it really is it's like you know it's, you you've got to keep doing it to understand your body to know how you feel when you feel whatever mm. and 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 that's what you have to do with fighting you know i've got to get up in the morning and go for long morning runs on my own no one else's but it's either i do it or I get beat up, or I lose, or the guy that I'm fighting is doing it, you know, or you have a long yeah. day, you get home, and you're like, oh, right, I've got to go for this five mile, 
you know, and you just go out and you just do it. And you, you can't beat that. That's that's all down to self and self uh, and willpower. Mm. And what habits do you do every day to make sure you're always getting the best out of yourself? <sighs> I mean, habits vary, right? The habits yeah. vary. With with so rest. Rest is a big habit of mine. Rest and recovery, because. I will train every day, you know, if, if I can and I do and I have. Usually it was twice a day as well with fighting. So one habit would be, you know, to, to run. You know, I used to run a lot. Yeah. And it wouldn't be like, you know, it wouldn't be like running five miles and trying to beat my time every time. It would be just to run. That would be my warm-up. Then it would be my session. Um, so, you know, so training was a non-negotiable. But rest and recover is a big thing. Because there's a saying where they say, you can't overtrain. You can just under rest, under recovery. Okay. So you can't overtrain, but you can under recover. And it doesn't mean you can train seven days a week because you shouldn't. Some people can, but you don't have to. Yeah. A rest day could be an active rest day, could be an active recovery day, but it's still recovery. And it still involves training or no training, but it's part of that package. Yeah. Of training you know so a habit when i when i lived on my own and i was like you know in my fighting you know 101 i would have epsom salt baths regularly i'd make sure i get to sleep i would uh cherry active is another one you know <laughs> i'd have that before bed just just the little things that 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 build up magnesium yeah. and zinc tablets you know i've been taking them for a few years and just those just those little things that can win I might even have like a little bit of chocolate because that, that for the mind would be great, you know, and then it would make me work harder the next day because I've had an extra 300 calories. Mm, yeah. Silly little things like that, but they all help and they all, you know, they all snowball into each other. Of course they do. In terms of meditating, do you kind of take the time with your thoughts? Do you reflect? Are you into meditation, journaling? Do you do that part of like mindset? So funny enough, I got into a bit of journaling earlier this year. Yeah, uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine called Tim Cooper, uh, who Georgie, in, uh, my friend Georgie, introduced me to, and that was great. We had a good few talks. He's a life coach, but we were talking like you know quite a lot on 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 many different levels, and he got me into journaling. However, it's not something that I've kept up, admittedly. Yeah. Meditation, I don't actually do. I have thought about it before. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this and he said, well, do you run? I said, yeah, I run a lot. He said, well, there you go. That's your form of meditation. He said, meditation comes in many different ways. Mm. I, I've got a push bike that I cycle around London sometimes. I don't have any music or anything in the ears. And you can do that's a, that's a form of meditation because you start yeah. thinking things. Running for me is a big thing because that's, that is when I think about everything. I either think about everything or absolutely nothing but it's so good for the body to get it in and to just go out there and enjoy it and take your mind away or take your mind on. It's so important, isn't it? Because the world gets so busy and our minds get so busy that sometimes we just need that switch off and just kind of almost center and come back and think, Oh shit, like I yeah. needed that time out. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't talk bad on meditation at all. And I think it's great if you can, if you can fit it in then you can do it, you know, a good friend of mine called Jess, she does a, she's a yoga teacher and she does this really good breathing class mm. and I've been meaning to take it, but I, I, I watched one on, a, on Instagram 
the other day and I you know, had a little skip through, see what it was about. But it was definitely a class that I, you know, I want to do because it's you're controlling that breathing, you're relaxing everything, and for 30 minutes, nothing is going on. What yeah. more did you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I found that's the biggest switch off. I do something similar to you. So instead of sitting down meditating, I've all I always struggled slightly with that. I just go for a walk. Just go for a walk and switch off. If it's been a mad day or I'm in the gym and my head's still not kind of clear after I've been there, I just go for a walk, maybe listen to a podcast. No, usually not a podcast because I'm thinking about something else then. But it's just yeah. headphones out, like you said, and just kind of just come back. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, in, in a world where we're so go, 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 strapped yeah. to the phones, to always talking to people, it's very rare that people just kind of shut off and switch down. Yeah, definitely. So doing what you do, there's pressure. You fought on live TV, you fought in front of thousands of people, and you've also become world champion. How do you handle the pressure before a fight knowing you're going into the that environment and fighting someone how do you handle the pressure the build-up to it how's that done do you know what i never really think about it until someone asks me so okay. when you say it to me i'm like okay how do i i mean it's i mean i look i've been looking back at some pictures recently especially this year because i've had so much time inside <laughs> you know and i miss it and i love it and i think you know i think it's great i mean I choose to do it, right? I choose to, to, to go out there. And again, like we said about the experiences and the knowledge, I remember fighting in front of 10 people. Then it went yeah. up to 40 people. Then it went up to 90, 120, 1,000, 2,000, now 5,000, 10,000. Yeah. So you build it up. I remember fighting in a sports hall, right? Like some rascal sports hall, right? <laughs> Then I used to fight in nightclubs legally. Like they used to, it would be a Sunday session. The ring would be in the uh, the center of the dance floor. I fought in like Liquid and Envy. I fought in loads of different clubs actually. Some up Manchester. Uh, you know. So then, then the venues start to build. Then I fought at the O2. Then I fought Singapore, Bangkok, China, Canada, like all of these countries. America. I fought in Vegas, and in 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 the casinos. So you just kind of prepare yourself and you build up for it because you know what to expect. You know that yeah. there's going to be a lot of people. You know that there's a lot of cameras. But in all honesty, I'm too busy worried about him. Mm. You know, the, the first thing I used to always say to Kieran is, so what do I do? Like, literally, I'm in the ring. He puts my gum shield in. And I'm like, so what should I do? Because like, <laughs> I've got a million ideas. How do I start it off? Do I start with a jab? Do I do nothing? Do I start with a push kick? Do I, do I just block first? Like, what do I do? You know, and, and you've got too many things to worry about. I remember being in the ring in, uh, in December last year. I was in, uh, where was I, Singapore. And there was like, what, 10, 15,000 people all in this stadium, all around. It was incredible. You had a big TV, big walkway as you walk down. But when it comes down to it, you're just, you're boom, you've got that tunnel vision. So yeah. now I've just got the ropes, the referee, and my opponent. And then that is it. And weirdly enough, all you can hear is your corner. Wow. So when you're in that fight, all you can hear, yeah, because it's, you know, I don't need to worry about anything else. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people see. Go worry about this guy. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how you prepare it. I mean, before a fight, I get super nervous as well. Like, I don't, I don't know any fighter who doesn't. There'll be fights where I find the nerves a bit easier than others. Okay. Because, you know, it doesn't matter. It's what you've got to do. Like, you know, I'm here. I knew it was coming. 
you've got to handle it. And, and, and the way that you handle it is, is what can kind of determine the fight as well. Okay. You know, so, you know, you have to have that big level of self-control. Like I say, you just can't worry about anything. What will be, will be. You've just got to make sure it's how you want it on your terms. Yeah. And how long is a preparation for a fight typically? Well, every fight is a bit different. I used to fight very regularly. So I could get prepared for a fight within four weeks, sometimes even three weeks, just because I was training twice a day, every day, all year round. I mean, I, I don't drink. Uh, I haven't drank for many years now, but even before that, I wasn't a big drinker. I used to always eat healthy. I, running was one thing that I always kept up as well. Some people can be like eight weeks. Some people are 10 or 12 weeks. It depends. Depends on their weight. You know, I never got too big, like I said, but I had fighters in my camp uh, that would, it would be a fight, uh, it would be a fat camp, you know, <laughs> so that they, they, they have to lose so much weight. So like one guy, he's an amazing fighter called Jake Bostwick. He had to lose, I think, 25 kilos once. Wow. 25 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he'd done it. He'd done it a couple of times. Um, that was... <laughs> That, I think that was like a 12-week camp. And don't get me wrong, maybe that's unhealthy, yeah. But he was healthy doing it, if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it just shows that, you know, anyone can and you can do kind of anything you want. But the short versions of that answer was, you know, four to five, uh, four to eight to ten weeks max. Yeah. Because, um, no, I was just about to say, because usually, usually what it is, it's like you have – so let's just say eight weeks. Your first two weeks are you getting into the rhythm, getting into the routine. Yeah. Then you've got six weeks. So you start focusing on fitness and technique. So what exactly are you going to do in the fight? But you're focusing more on the fitness because now you've got into the rhythm. Now you need to get fight and fit. Four weeks out, you're fit. Now let's focus on the technique. Two weeks out, fine tuning. Last week, last, last wake up. Wow. It's a full-on camp, isn't it? Is it, is it full-on? Do you, do you kind of go away? Do you go abroad to do your training? Or do you kind of stay where you live in? Is that how it's done? I mean, everyone's different. Again, I, yeah. I, used, to literally, I used to live 20 minutes from the gym. I used to work at the gym and okay. train twice a day at the gym. So for me, eat, breathe, live, sleep, everything. Mm. But weekends, I just wanted to chill out. So I'd see family, see friends. I was never much one to go out, out because I was just so exhausted, right? My body yeah, needed to work. Saturday, I'd chill out and work. And then Sunday, I'd always try and fit in a run. But I've had fight camps away. Sometimes I'll go to Holland. Sometimes I'll go to Thailand. And that's nice because it just gets you out of your normal surrounding. And it gets you out of your comfort zone again. Like what yeah. we were talking about. Yeah, of course. And how did your career come about for you becoming the world champion? So when I went over to Thailand, I was around 20, and I think I turned 21 when I was over there. I won my first world title in Thailand, uh, the WMC, and that kind of just kicked it off. When I went over to Thailand, I had – how many fights? When I went over to Thailand, I think I had 10 professional fights. Okay. Wow. Yeah, 10, 10, 10, only 10 professional and one loss one loss uh, and again that was a learning curve that was a massive learning curve that one <laughs> and 
so so although I lost it like I had so many failures I feel like I won because it just made everything so much better yeah so winning my first world title in Thailand uh, uh, you know I fought for a couple more over there but didn't go my way and then when I came back I was at that crossroads went over to you know full-time fighting full-time teaching and then Kieran used to just put me in for fights all the time I was like let me fight let me fight let me fight in one year I had nine fights you know so it was literally four weeks on one week off four weeks on one week off and I didn't care because that's that's what I wanted to do then it would be fight for a different world title different organization so I've won three uh three world titles in different organizations and then I defended one of those five times wow yeah and then the UK number one spot that I won I think what two years ago now and I fought someone called Liam Harrison, who at the time had held number one spot for over 13 years. He, you know, he, for me, he's the best fighter to come out of England still. Um, you know, he's, he's had over 100 fights, 110 fights. He, you know, he's amazing to watch. You know, he's, he's a great fighter, end of the day. And the fight with me and him had been like three years in the making. Okay. You know, he didn't feel like I was ready. I was still number two. I'd been number two for a while. And he's from up north. So he's from Leeds. And he's from yeah. a fantastic gym in Leeds called Bad Company, run by Richard Smith. And social media, Facebook, Instagram, there was always these little back and, back and forth, little wars, little keyboard types, faces <laughs> and everything. But it just built up the fight. The way it happened is I, I called out Liam on like a, a video podcast or interview yeah with a with someone called a noop uh noop's got his own channel as well like especially with fighting he's you know he's great so he asked me he's like who do you want next so obviously i put it out there and in muay thai there is such a, a respectful game yeah and it what i've done wasn't disrespectful but it was kind of like whoa he's just called out the best fighter in the uk and <laughs> listen you know, it worked and it built up and it just made the fight so much better. And, you know, mm. English Muay Thai needed something like that. And it happened at the London O2. Liam brought down a couple hundred people. I had a hundred pe- a couple hundred people. It was like, it was just one of the most amazing nights ever. You know, it was, it was amazing for that. I, um, I went on your Instagram before and that was the post that actually height, like really stuck out, stuck out for me because you know, you spoke about being a world champion before. You spoke about everything, but for you, that was probably your favourite moment from your career. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I know the post you meant. Um, I, I I would say so because at the time of me winning the number one spot, I'd been training for thirteen years. Yeah. So he'd been number one for thirteen years, and I remember once I fought in um, I fought in Birmingham on a show in Birmingham, and it was for I think it was for a British title. And they didn't actually have the British title, so they asked him to bring his British title. <laughs> but when they presented me with this belt, I had Liam Harrison's like British title. So in the changing room, he come back and he's like, "Listen, you know, well done, but I need my belt back." I was like, "Yeah, cool, no worries." Like that was my first encounter with him. Yeah. And at that point, I was you know just a British champion with I don't know twenty five, thirty fights, and and then you know as the years go on boom, then, then I'm fighting him, you know? And, and for me, it was just everything that you built up for, you know? Yeah. A world title was amazing and a world title was great. But 
when when you're the number one in your country and your weight, and it's let's let's just say it's not easy to get it. You know there there are there are easier fights and easier categories. I think my weight category is one of the hardest, and like I said, Liam is without a doubt one of the best fighters to come out of the UK, hands down. And to, you know to have the opportunity to fight him. You know, I felt privileged as it was, but then to beat him and become number one, well, you know, it was just ecstatic. You know, I was happy with that. Yeah. What's next in your career? What's next? I'm not too sure. I mean, COVID's like stopping everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this, you know, this this year's been been a uh, this year's been like a complete write off anyway. So it, it really all just depends on next year. You know, I'm 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 in an in with the fights or not. You know, there's there's a lot going on in my life right now. I've recently moved into London two years ago, so not really recently, but living in London, there's so much happening, so much going on. Yeah. I have my own company now as well called Raise LDN. You know, it's on on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Raise LDN, and I've got it with my flatmate, my best mate, and and basically it's like a big fitness workout so during lockdown we've been doing online bodyweight workouts for everyone three times yeah. a week and then after lockdown we managed to get two in this year but we take over like unique hotspots around london and put on like a big massive group fitness experience oh, like, wow. you know all, all, all three disciplines so you've got the martial arts in there you know obviously the punching the kicking yeah and then you've got strength with the weights and you've got like cardio as well me and me and waz both co-teach it and you know we've had we've had we've had up to 90 people at one event before wow. before covid yeah, yeah 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 it's great and and like i say that's just snowballing that's just getting bigger and bigger so you know next year we'll just see what happens you know it's, it's not here yet we could be in another lockdown for six months who knows <laughs> yeah exactly mate exactly we'll be doing this again next year <laughs> where did that business idea come from then ah so the business idea was like very much waz's idea we had a company about a year and a half ago yeah well last year sorry last year we had a company very similar and we took over a few spaces in london and again same deal but we had to kind of like get rid of that company and start up a new one and we only started it about seven or eight months ago so we started in the first lockdown Mm -hmm. uh you know we renamed it rebranded it and in lockdown we were doing the free workouts then as the lockdown kind of lifted we started doing street workouts so people would send us a location if they had 10 or more neighbors turn up we'd go down to their street they'd all come out to the end of their like pavements or on the road bring a mat we've got the music boom and we take them through just a bodyweight workout it's all inclusive so literally anyone could do it we had we had women up to 60 we had kids up to six years old you know it was it was amazing it just brought the community together and yeah. you know there's all the pictures on the website raiseldn.com you can you can see everything on there the community that we built up with it just makes everything so much better like we were saying earlier community with the with the gym with the fighting with the rugby that's what makes everything so much better right yeah Absolutely. It really does. So just backtracking slightly, where does your drive come from to be the best? So it's funny you say that because I, I got myself into a hole this year. I got, I got hit with chronic fatigue and adrenal okay. fatigue yeah. from overtraining and underresting. And so earlier this year, I decided to do a half Ironman with my dad in Mallorca. Okay. 
So that was set to be in May. Okay, so in January, I was focusing swim, bike, run. And it would have been great if I'd done it in May because I would have enjoyed it and I would have just done it. Then they moved it to October. So my dad was like, cool, you can, you know, ease up on your train. And I was like, no, now I can get better because it was the same with fighting. Yeah. After you've had a fight, that's when you get better. That's when you start to work something. So now I've got all this time. I can get fit on the bike. I can get better at swimming. I can get stronger at running. And then I was like, I might try and do well in this now. You know, I've never, I've never done a triathlon before. Okay. But now I'm thinking, okay, now I can do well because that's my mindset. Because if I'm fighting, well, what's the point of just doing it and taking part? You know, the money's not great in Muay Thai at all, no matter what anyone thinks. You know, it might look <laughs> it, but trust me, it's not. Especially like, especially eight years ago, it was even worse. Um, and recently it's kind of getting better, right? But it's not, it's not a great, you know, big fundable life. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it properly. Mm-hmm. So why not aim to be the best? And, yeah. and if you don't, you fall just short, well, then you're still pretty good, right? Yeah. And that's kind of lit. very much, that's anything I do in sport. You know, I'm very com- competitive like that. So doing the triathlon, right, okay, I've got to do really well in it. You know, I just need to try and move that into other areas, especially with work as well. It happens in work, you know, group fitness training, taking classes, right, I want to do the best, right, I want to be the best. PT in someone, I want to be the best PT that they've had. Yeah, you know, it's, a good, it's a good mindset to have. And, and I think people get going back to that failure when people fail or they get knocked down, they lose the heart, they lose that, that, that love of it. But as soon as you start having that success, you celebrate the small wins always. After a while, you're like, OK, actually, I like this. Then guess what? You strive to always get that. You strive to always complete it. Yeah. And then you're striving to be the best without actually intentionally trying. Yeah, of course. Where did that start for you? Have you always had that since you were a kid? Or is it something that's just built and built and built? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was competitive as a kid. I used to, uh, I used to be a, a runner. So I was, I was district champion for 200 metres. But again, I just enjoyed it. I was just fast. I never took to it, you know, too much. Rugby, like I said, like, you know, I used to love rugby. Always wanted to try and score a try or, you know, try and be a good player on the pitch. And with the fighting, like I said, you, you start to get a couple of wins and you think, actually, I'm all right at this. Like, you know, okay, cool. Let's... Then you set yourself a goal. So, like, let's just say you've got the world champ or the world title, but you need to, you need to build the ladder. So world title, international, European, British, English, Southern area, boom. Okay. So you try and get the Southern area title. Yeah. Then with the experience, with the knowledge, with the confidence, you start going up, right. I'm ready now for the English title. Boom. You know, and that's, and that's, and that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. You build up the ladder. So I've won the world titles. Now I need to be the one, number one in the UK. Yeah. You know, it's right. Let's try and get that. And, and and that was it for me. Yeah, and I fought on all the shows, fought all over the world. It's just ticking those boxes, right? That's it. What you just said there, ticking those boxes. So have you always set those goals? So have you always said to yourself, right, by this point, I want to be world champion. By this point, I want to be this champion. Have you always done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. I actually remember writing down once that world title, international, European. I remember writing that down to someone. 
and and then you know okay right this is what i want to do right this is what i want to do i've had just under 70 professional fights okay so you know i've had i've had quite a few i've lived in thailand and you know it just you've just got to keep ticking those boxes that i think is what helps people with the drive if you write a goal down or you have a goal you don't have to always put like a time limit on it mm-hmm. because some that for, for some people that knocks confidence or yeah. you know knocks them down a bit you know because if they don't achieve it don't worry about it just try and get there as best you can if you get there in one year two years it doesn't matter you will get there once you've visually got that box to tick yeah it's just the biggest thing I, I can imagine for you with your job you do and also being a fighter it's it's almost training people to not give up, give up hope because life's yeah. full of knockdowns, life's full of failures and obstacles that we're all going to have. It's just the most important thing that you can do for yourself is just not give up, isn't it? You've just got to keep pushing and yeah. pushing and pushing. And what, like you said, when you get to that success point, that's where you start leveling up even more. You've just got to go through the shit, haven't you? Let's be honest, to yeah. get to that good place. Listen, you've got to get out of your comfort zone, right? It's, yeah. all, it's all spirals back to, it just depends on what word you use. Yeah. You know, it's like you've got to fail, then you've got to get up. There's a saying where they say, what, get get knocked down seven times, get back up eight. You know, you yeah. always get back up. It doesn't matter. You always get out of your comfort zone. You know, it's like I've lost fights. You know, I've lost really big fights. I've lost international world title fights. But so what? It's part of the game. Mm. And that's what you have to understand. That's what I've lost weight. I've put on weight. It's part of the game. You know, and, and as soon as you accept that and acknowledge it, that's when you can start to enjoy it and just succeed naturally and more fun. Yeah. How do you think we can use failure to become better? Because often we have a failure and we take it personally and we start comparing ourselves to other people thinking we're not good enough. How can we get rid of that and start thinking, well, no, this is part of it. This is what I need to get better. So you said it there. Everyone always compares themselves. Exactly. Never. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, we, we, we all do it. I've done it enough and, you know, mm. I still probably do it now. But, you know, you, you get someone, I've got a good friend of mine called Richard Harris. And, okay. you know, he's, he's an amazing character. And he's, he's been on such a fantastic journey with training. He, he, he started doing the Rays London workouts. And in lockdown, believe it or not, he got fitter and thinner in lockdown, you know, and there was only two types of people. Amazing. But, well, you know, I talk to him quite a lot and he'll go for a run and be like, oh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't my best time. I said, yeah, but he still ran, yeah. you know, and, 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 and it's reminding people of those. Listen, I know what it's like to go for a run and have a terrible run, but I still ran, hmm. you know, and, and it's like, oh, I, you know, I couldn't complete the class, but you did do the class. You know, you started to do it. And I guess these are lessons that I've learned myself through my own training. Yeah. You know, I've gone to the gym on my own, hit the bag and thought, oh, do you know what? This is it. I've got, you know, this is not a good day. But it doesn't matter because I've done something. Mm. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to do a little something. Okay, cool. That's, that's a little win. Next time I go back, I'm going to be more determined to have a better session. Guess what? You do. Yeah. But it's always having those lessons and having that, having that experience. You know, you, you can't compare yourself to anyone because everyone is so different. Everyone is different weights, different level of fitness, different days. You know, I could be sitting on my bum all day, go for a run, and I'll do a quicker time than you, but you've been doing this, that, and everything. Yeah. You know, it, it, you can't compare yourself. You just have to compare yourself. 
mm. to yourself, you know, and that, that they always say, you know, you, you've always got to be better than you were yesterday. And I mean, there's all these cliches that people throw around left, right and centre, but that's what you have to think about. It's only you that's trying to get better, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, I said, like we said earlier, well, what is a failure? What do you see as a failure? I went for a 5K, but I ran it two minutes slower. Doesn't matter. I, I I might have been in a heart rate zone for longer, which would be better for my cardiovascular output. Like let's just say like zone three. I don't want to confuse too many people, but say I'm in zone three for longer. Mm. That works better for my respiratory system. Yeah. You see what I mean? So that's well, that's still a small that's a small win, even though I'm <laughs> yeah. running slower. Those extra four minutes on that 5k is that little bit of meditation. Yeah. You know, it's that little yeah. bit being outside it's that four minutes extra movement that you haven't had today because you've been working so failure is great it's just depending on how how you see it and i think you as hard as it is you've always got to try and stay positive and upbeat and happy right exactly and it's never more important than now you know we've had a you know crap year with lockdown and people are disheartened people aren't seeing their loved ones people are there's more loneliness going on than there ever has been. People aren't as motivated. So it's just so important, isn't it? Just kind of write a goal down. And don't think you've got to light the world on fire with these goals. Like you said, just do things that's going to make you 1% better. Listen, it's like you, you always got to do a goal that kind of scares you. Yeah. And then you've got to put down the goals which will make you achieve that. Okay. You know, someone, someone might think, well, I'd always love to run a 5K, but they'll laugh and go, but I know that's easy for you. I love telling people my story of when I used to run. I used to do a two-mile run, and I used to stop about six times. I used to take a quid with me and get a water from the shop halfway through. <laughs> Took like two miles. Like honestly, it was just a loop round where I used to live. And 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 looking at it now, I laugh. But I started off the exact same place. You know, I used to stop six times, and then then a small win for me would be okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop four times. Okay. You know, so now it's yeah. two left, you know. Then it'll be like, I'm not gonna get that water, I don't need the water, I can hold out. It's only 15 minute run or whatever, like something <laughs> stupid. Um, and then it's like, okay, now I'm not gonna stop. Right. Then all of a sudden you see what I mean? These are the yeah. small wins that people forget are still wins. You yeah. know, people say to me, you know, I always walk on my runs. And I'm like, okay, well, don't walk, just really fast walk. You yeah. know, like so, so, so you're not stopping down and walking. You're, you're, you're still keeping going, and you're still going momentum. It could be slow, but you're not walking. And they're like, okay, yeah, cool. I never thought about that. That's that, that's that's turning a failure into a win. It is. That's so that's yeah. such an important thing to notice, isn't it? Like, don't like going back to what we just said a few seconds ago. Is just don't compare yourself to other people. Do the goals that fit yeah. you and fit what you want to do. Don't. Yeah. Don't do anything else. Just keep it simple. Listen, if everyone was the same, it would be a boring world to live in, right? Exactly, mate. Exactly. So my last question, which is, I ask this question to everyone. So well, let's keep this, <laughs> um, let's keep this focused at someone who is just starting off in something new. You know, you've got great experience in that, you know, with your Ironman, with your fighting career. Yeah. So someone who's just starting off in something, it could be a new job. It could be a new sport. It could be anything. What is one piece of advice from the lessons you've learned that you'd give them? <sighs> Don't eat too much chocolate. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, for those who know me, I'm, I'm a bit of a chocoholic. Um, no, <laughs> chocolate's a good thing. So 
what would what would be my one piece of advice to give to someone who's just starting out? Yeah. Is that yeah? Fail. Always fail. Always learn from it. Always keep going. Because if you don't fail, you don't learn. And that is honestly a real lesson of mine. Like I said about my running, like I've said about sparring. I failed that time when I went swimming, but did I? Because I still done three kilometers. I still done it. And it, you know, I still went to Thailand. I remember losing three fights in a row in Thailand. Three fights in a row. I went there just to fight. And I had to learn very fast. The level out in Thailand is ridiculous. Yeah. So if I didn't fail, I would never have progressed. I want people to who are starting out to look at failure as an opportunity. Because so many people think of failure and they think of bad they think mm. of red when really that's, that's not the case it's not the case at all if if you learn you never lose and that's that's what we say in fighting you can either win or learn and that's okay. that's something that we've said in fighting for a long time you know you can either win or learn because if you lose something didn't work out but guess what you'll win again if you can win and learn then it's even better yeah you know, but never look at failure. Like never look at failure. Fail, do it, because it's only going to make you better. But embrace it, take it on, and that will give you the encouragement to just keep working and get better. Yeah, Charlie, that is one of the best pieces of advice I think I've ever heard. You know, fail often. <laughs> you know, and and it's so it is. important, isn't it? Because sometimes. I read a book the other day about ego and sometimes it's that ego, isn't it? That ego mindset that stops us from pushing forward because we think, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to do that. Oh, I know it already. I'm not going to keep going on. I don't need advice of anyone. And that's that's the minute you stop growing, isn't it? Do you know the hardest thing, and, and, and you touched on that ego, a lot of the time it's all social media as well because people won't put up their runs. Ah, it's like, you know, I've, I've done a 5K in, I don't know, 40 minutes, but mm. my mate can do it in 20 yeah who cares you know is i have people say to me you're such a fast runner and i'm like well in my circle of friends i'm a slow runner you see what i'm saying it's like (laughs) you know it's like i've got a friend who can run a 5k in 15 minutes right i'm not hitting that but i still want to encourage him and i'm still going to try and guess what i'm still going to push my own 5k that's all that matters you know so people are worried about what other people think who cares who cares it doesn't matter if you're in the gym and you're training, I, I applaud that. You know, if you're trying to eat healthy or, you know, you're trying to be vegan because it works better for you, I don't care. You know, mm. it's like I'm still going to make my jokes. <laughs> that's, that's who yeah. I am. But I'm going to support you. I love that. I think people get worried so much nowadays because social media and Instagram is such a show, 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 show. Yeah. But it's not like that at all. And it shouldn't be. You know, you should be showing it to be proud of it. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Be proud of what you're achieving because in two years, your 5K, for instance, will be so much quicker and you'll look back on those slow times and think, wow, you know, that's where I started. Yeah. And it's important to recognize, isn't it? You know, you touched on social media there. That not everyone is a prototype. Not everyone is going to be the same person. Not everyone is going to have the same car. Not everyone is going to do the same things. So it's just that importance of knowing that you're you, they're them, and do things that suit you. So you mentioned not drinking. I don't drink often. And like my mates kind of rip me for it. But then I kind of know myself with this, what I want to do. You know, it's be confident enough to do what you want to do. Don't, like you said, with the run, 
post it on Strava. You know, don't worry about what people say because you're in a competition with yourself and don't ever, don't overthink what other people might think. Because I think we do that yeah. a lot. We think, well, like they might think yeah, that yeah. if I do this. Well, it doesn't matter if, if, you, if it aligns with your values, then do it anyway. You're doing it from a good place. It's quite funny because the people that will take the piss or make fun of your times or your or your image or whatever are usually the ones that don't train. Yeah. Right? The ones that do train appreciate it because, God, I, I, I ran today and for me it was a slow run. But I still got my friends message me going, yes, it's great to see you running. Really like that. That's great. Nothing about time. Nothing. And, and do you know what? Before we go, this was this is another thing that I learned. This is about being humble again. So with the fighting, it's very much a, an English and European thing. How many fights have you had? How many have you won? It's like, who cares? Like, yeah. you know, who, who cares? And I learned that when I went to Holland and Thailand. How many fights? Like Thailand. How many fights have you had? 300? You're like that, 300. Well, and they're one, and they're like, I don't know, you know. And and, yeah. and and the Dutch were the same. They just turn up and they fight. They're like, I don't care, I don't know. I just want to fight. And my dad said, said to me once before, an experienced Iron Man will never ask you your time because you can do the same course three times and you'll have a different time each one. You could have a good swim. You could have a shit bike. You know, you could have all of these different problems: bad diet, bad build up, bad weather. Mm. So. When you ask someone about an Ironman, it's like, oh, wow, what, what Ironman have you done? Austria, amazing. That's so good. Because the idiots of the world, and I, I mean, they're not idiots, but the ones that you don't need to worry about, everyone's always got a friend. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I used to play rugby. Yeah, yeah, my mate used to play. I used to play good level. Yeah, yeah, my mate, my mate used to play rugby, uh, England. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I, I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah, or, exactly. Why does it matter? You know, yeah. I've, I fight, I've fought, and, you know, it's... it's that that's what people worry about nowadays because it's always a show off right exactly just be proud of it be proud of it 100 percent. yeah i love that i love that charlie it's been great chatting to you today i don't want to take up too much more of your time it's been uh no it's been a real pleasure and what you're doing is amazing you're inspiring people with your business now um so thank you for joining me today tom thank you so much man really appreciate your time lots of love Thank you again for listening to the latest podcast. I really appreciate your support as always. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it, subscribe and leave a rating. Thank you and take care.